0: Any of you like Chinese food? Yeah. Like Chinese restaurants? <coughs> Got a favorite Chinese restaurant? Um, I'm, I'm pretty low key with my uh, my expectations. You know, pick up sticks is kind of on my list on kind of a regular rotation. But what's your favorite thing to eat at Chinese restaurant?
1: Orange chicken,
0: Orange chicken is real popular. Orange chicken? Bro- broccoli beef. Broccoli beef is real high. Okay. What's that? Kung Pao. Chung Oh, the Kung Pao, the oh, hot spicy. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Although Pick Up Sticks changed the recipe and it's awful. <laughs> so, my favorite thing to eat at Pick Up Sticks is
1: fortune cookies. Because inside,
0: none of you mentioned fortune cookies. All the cookies are good too. You're right. So when you get a fortune cookie, inside, you may not know this, but inside is a little slip of paper with a fortune on it. Yeah, you're looking at the back, the lotto numbers. I know. So I I love fortune fortune, uh, cookies because they give me my fortune and they they promise me exciting abundance of wealth, which I think is really cool. Uh, They tell me about secret admirers that I've yet to discover and know about. They promise
1: happiness
0: and success and all that kind of stuff. And so you walk out of the Chinese restaurant with your fortune cookie and you're you're all excited and and then you walk into the real world. (laughs) and reality is different isn't it
1: yeah.
0: reality is very different from my fortune cookies because i walk out of pickup up sticks with my fortune in my pocket and i walk into a chaotic world i walk into a, a chaotic existence and I, I don't know the word chaos just kind of captures for me what we're living in today i think of chaos on so many levels um, You know, the obvious chaos that uh, separates our country right now, we're so divided, and I I don't think we could be even more divided. Race, religion, uh, sexual orientation, you add to the list, uh, we're we're, we're a divided nation. And you throw into that kind of chaos uh, some of the economic chaos that's going on right now. I don't know, if most of you probably listen to the news or watch the news, and you may be up to speed on some of this economic chaos. Um, current rate of inflation is what? 6.9. I knew you would know that, Dave. Um, so inflation is going at 6, 6.9%. Um, anybody besides me here on Medicare... Did you get the new stats this week that our contribution to Medicare next year is going up what percent? 14.5%. And so I was all excited a week ago and in the past because the promise was they were going to increase my social security payment by four, five, almost 6%, and now they're telling me my contribution is being increased by 14.5%. So guess where those two numbers wind up?
1: Last month, last month,
0: 4.4 million Americans quit their jobs. Now, some of them quit their jobs because the job market is so unstable and uncertain right now that you can quit your job, depending on what your job is, and you can go find somebody else who will pay you a signing bonus to go to work for them because they can't find enough people to work. Have you gone to a restaurant expecting to have dinner and they closed early because they didn't have enough staff? Mm -hmm. That happen all the time. Some people are quitting their jobs... Some people are quitting their jobs and leaving the state of California and other states with a vaccine mandate, they're quitting their jobs and moving to states that do not have that vaccine mandate. Police officers, medical personnel, you and I live in a chaotic world, we really do. And one of the things that concerns me in the midst of all this chaos is too often, it appears to me, this is just kind of Roy's take, but it appears to me that too often, even Christians have their lives ruled more by fear than by faith. We're more afraid of what's happening in the chaos around us than we are praising the Lord our God forevermore. And we experience fear. Now fear is a natural human response to some of this stuff, right? I mean, it really is. But as followers of Jesus, are we supposed to respond like everybody else does? I don't think so. And so the great need in each of our lives is a greater trust and dependence on the Lord. To experience deeper faith, greater faith instead of fear. I think you all would agree with that, right? And so this morning, as we come again to Mark's Gospel, we're going to come and look at the the story of a man who has a a son who is demon-possessed. And he's coming to Jesus, well actually he comes first to the disciples hoping for his son to be healed. And what I want you to hear this morning is that God wants you and me to be possessors of what I want to call audacious Faith. He wants us to demonstrate audacious faith in our lives. Now you probably have going, Audacious? That word sounds familiar, but what is, what is that audacious thing? When I hear the word audacious, I think of bold, daring, risky, adventurous faith. <laughs> That's audacious faith. Bold, daring, Risky, adventurous. And so I want you to come with me this morning to Mark chapter 9. And in Mark chapter 9, as I said, we're going to meet this father along with his son. It's probably of value to just take a step back and realize that in this story, or just before this story, Jesus has taken Peter, James, and John up to the mountaintop. Where they've experienced what the scriptures call the transfiguration. Where they observed Jesus in all his grandeur, all his glory. And in the midst of what they saw, two other things happened that are of significance. Moses and Elijah appeared there with Jesus in conversation. And the voice of the Heavenly Father, God the Father, spoke. And he said, This is my beloved son. And then he said three words. Three words. And I, I I've never really noticed this passage that significantly before, I don't think. These three words. This is my beloved son, listen to him. Is that wisdom? Uh-huh. This is my beloved son, listen to him. The
1: disciples
0: needed to pay attention to what Jesus was saying. Listen to him, and so Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down from this this mountaintop experience of Jesus' transfiguration, and they walk into this setting where Jesus' disciples, a group of the scribes, are arguing and debating and discussing with them, and a father who has a demon-possessed son. And so in Mark chapter 9, and verse 14, we read this. And when they came back to the disciples, they, Jesus, James, John, Peter, when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. And immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, What are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out. And they could not do it. And Jesus answered them and said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. Falling to the ground, he began rolling about, foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can... All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and began saying, I do believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up And he got up And when he had come into the house His disciples began questioning him privately Why did he not cast it out? And Jesus said to them This kind cannot come out By anything but prayer And so when I think of This father He qualifies in my mind For the hall of faith He really does You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter of faith, where it lists all the great heroes of the Old Testament, it says that faith is the evidence of things unseen. It says that without faith it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that He is, that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. Faith, trust, confidence in our God is so critical to our life's journey. And I think so, especially now, as I said, in the midst of, of all this chaos, All this division, all this stuff that's all kind of upside down and turmoil. And so this father, for me, becomes an example to me of what I want to call audacious faith. Bold, daring, risky, adventurous faith. And three things impress me as I reflected on this passage. and, And the first is this. First of all, we have to notice this father had faith. When Jesus says to him, well, the father says to Jesus, if you can, does that show faith? Well, some. He came, he came initially, right? He came with the expectation that Jesus would heal his son and Jesus wasn't there. And so he, he has faith and he comes to Jesus with his son praying and hoping that, uh, that Jesus can help him. And it must have been disappointing to come to Jesus and get stuck with the B-team, right? It's the junior varsity. He's got the disciples. (coughs) The nine remaining disciples. (coughs) And when He comes to them, they're unable to help Him. They're unable to cast out this demon. And put yourself in this Father's place for a few minutes. We don't know how old His Son is. So well, we do know that he's been demon-possessed from a very, very early age. And not only is the son mute, unable to speak, this demon has clearly been trying to do what to this boy? Kill him, destroy him. If he's throwing him into the fire, throwing him into water, he's clearly attempting to kill this boy. So if you're the father of this boy... How many hours out of the day do you need to be watching your son and paying attention to him and keeping an eye on him? You know, it's a 24-7 job. And this father, how long has he been doing this? Months? Years, I think. And so, here he is in this, in this situation of extreme desperation. And he comes to Jesus, praying and hoping that Jesus will heal his son and he meets the junior varsity and they can't do it. How disappointing would that be? Pretty disappointing. And so he has a measure of faith. He, he's come hoping for healing. He's coming with, a, with an evidence of faith. Help us. Help us. But it's accomplished nothing in terms of the care of, of his son. Faith that has been disappointed. You know, you and I put our faith in a lot of things that disappoint us. We put faith in the people that let us down, right? Uh, we put faith in lots of things that disappoint us and let us down. So here's this father with these disciples, disappointed No change for his son. Zero help. But he has a measure of faith. And so the second thing I notice about this father is that in addition to having at least a measure of faith, you know, his declaration, I do believe. Secondly, what I notice about him, he admits his lack of faith. And the simple words are what? Help my unbelief. Now tell me, I'm not the only person in this room that's prayed that prayer. (laughs) Lord, help my unbelief. I'm struggling here. Help my unbelief. And so this father very honestly um, admits his lack of faith. Help my unbelief. And you know the disciples kind of struggle with this faith thing a little bit too, didn't they? What's the, the, the question? The question that I have as I read this story is why? Why were the disciples unable to cast out this demon? They had just recently returned from the mission that Jesus sent them on. And He sent them on the mission having authorized them and gave them authority and power to heal and cast out demons. And when they came back from that mission and reported into to Jesus, they were all excited, jumping up and down. The demons listened to us. The demons fled. We healed the blind and the lame. And they were all excited. Then we come here, and they cannot cast out this demon. And so as I'm reading this, this passage, it's like, why? What's changed? What's different? Well, there's a little clue in the last verse, I think. This is kind of Roy's thinking. Because the disciples say in verse 28 to Jesus, why could we not cast it out? That's a great question, right? I mean, if you were one of the disciples and you were unable to cast out, wouldn't that be the logical question to ask Jesus? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus' answer was what? This kind only comes out by prayer. And some translations have the word in fasting.
1: What's the implication
0: of Jesus' answer? What's he saying to them? They were doing it on their own. If Jesus says to them, this kind of only comes out by prayer, and they were unable to cast out the demon. Is Jesus suggesting to them that the reason they failed is because they weren't trusting and depending on Him? They were trusting and depending on themselves. Hey, we've been successful before. Look at our track record. We can do this again. Uh, no I can. Self-sufficient self-reliant, independent, unable to cast out a demon, which they had been able to do just a short time before. And I wonder sometimes as I ponder this, in your life journey, in my life journey, if some of our struggles with faith are because we're still putting a little bit of trust in ourselves, a little bit of confidence in me, what I can do, what I can accomplish, And like the father in the story, uh, sometimes there's value in being brought to a point of deep desperation where you realize, I can't do it. Prayer should not be our last resort, right? But sadly, for many of us, that's kind of where we wind up. And so here's this father, he has a measure of faith, He's he's honest with the Lord. Help my unbelief. I'm I'm still lacking. I'm still in need. There's value. There's value to take an inventory. There's value to asking yourself the question, so how's how's my faith? How's my faith doing? If I was honest with myself on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being, you know, really audacious, bold, daring, risky, adventurous faith, and the other end of, you know, so I, how, how's my faith? How's my trust in the Lord? And, and as I evaluate that, what, what do I observe in my life in the last seven days that would prove that? What do I observed in my life in the last month that would, that would prove that score on a scale of one to ten? There's value to take an inventory. There's value to evaluating our faith. Even the disciples told Jesus one time, Lord, increase our faith. I think, not I think, I believe very strongly that that's a prayer. Lord, increase my faith. I believe very strongly that that's a prayer that God loves to hear and loves to answer. Lord, increase my faith. He wants us to trust Him. And we are so prone to trusting ourselves own abilities, own skills Lord, help my unbelief and so the man has faith he admits his lack of faith and then he asks for help (laughs) he asks for help with his faith help my unbelief (laughs) he's not embarrassed to ask that apparently He's not ashamed to admit and ask, Lord, help my unbelief. He boldly asks the Lord, help my
1: unbelief.
0: And I think, so not only is it important to evaluate how my faith is doing, is there value in asking God to increase your faith? Is there value in telling the Lord honestly, Lord, I'm struggling here. I'm having a hard time trusting you here. Help, help my own belief. That's a prayer I think God just loves loves to answer. Have any of you been in God's waiting room recently, waiting for God to answer prayer, waiting for God to act, waiting for God to do something, and you're just kind of waiting? I am not a very good waiter. Um, standing in line, not a thing I enjoy. Bumper to bumper traffic on the freeway, eh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do not enjoy waiting. And I have spent several hours on the phone trying to connect with doctors for my life. I was on a hold with one of the doctor's offices Friday for 10 minutes. And every 20 seconds or so it seemed, Your call is important to us. Please hold on. (laughs) Three times every minute for 10 minutes. And then someone picked up the phone. Hello, this is Diana. Can you hold please click? Another 10 minutes goes by. Your call is very important to us. Please hold on. Uh huh, really important. So I took, I took my wife for a physical uh, to see her doctor on October 20th. And as a result of that uh, physical uh, that my wife had, her doctor uh, recommended that she go for a mammogram and an ultrasound. And fortunately, amazingly, I was able to get an appointment for that two days later on the 22nd of October. And we sat down with the radiologist after that exam and his recommendation was a biopsy. You all know what that implies, right? So from October 22nd until, what day? The ninth of November, almost two weeks, we waited to get approval from the insurance company, to get the doctor to order the biopsy, and then to go. And once I, ha- once I had all that in place, then I called for the appointment, and, you know, we got in right away. Two and a half weeks, being told, you need a biopsy. Finally we get the biopsy. Now we're waiting, right? For the results, there you go. And so uh, three days later on the 12th, I called, that was my 20 minute waiting call trying to get a hold of the doctor and asking about results. Um, They called me back a couple hours later to inform us that there was no malignancy.
1: Amen, praise the Lord.
0: But that whole waiting time being in God's waiting, that is no fun. You know, I wanted to walk out of the doctor's office, walk right to get the mammogram, walk from there and get the biopsy and get the results. Let's get this thing going, right? It's, it's those kind of circumstances in life that kind of test my faith. because I don't, I don't have patience with all that. Come on, let's get this thing going. And so we're praying every day, right? for two and a half weeks trying to get this thing going. Lord, you've got to intervene. You've got to help us. Faith is, is tested. Faith is stretched when you're in God's waiting room. And we find ourselves in God's waiting room lots of times for lots of different reasons. Is there anybody who's been on your prayer list that you've been praying for to come to know the Lord for longer than a week, a month, a year, 20 years, 50 years. You know, that's a long time in God's way to Lord. What are you going to do and when? And, and what God wants to do in your life and my life, is He wants to deepen our faith. That we would demonstrate in our lives an audacious, bold, daring, risky, adventurous faith. So how do you do that? That's an excellent question. So that's, that's why I asked it. And so for me, when I think about faith, and trusting God and wanting God to to increase my faith deepen my faith, strengthen my faith for me it all starts with the sovereignty of God it all starts with the sovereignty of God if you don't fully grasp and understand the truth that God reigns and rules in this universe he's in charge of everything everything He's the creator and the sustainer of this universe, right? He's in charge. Believe it or not, He is sovereign and rules and reigns over this planet. He rules and reigns. He is sovereign over this country that you and I live in. This country that's in chaos and division and turmoil. He rules and reigns and is sovereign, right? Right? Yes. Oh, okay. I just, just checking. I thought maybe I was going down a path. You, yeah. Um, now, even though we struggle with it, Mike, uh, he, he's, he's in charge. It seems a little odd at times. You just kind of wonder. Really? Come on, God. He's not only in charge of this country, this may catch you by surprise, fasten your seatbelt. He is sovereign, in control, and in charge over the state of California. He rules and reigns supreme. He's not surprised by anything that happens. He's in charge. He's in charge of everything that happens in our city, the city you live in, the city of Norwalk. He rules and reigns, he's sovereign, he's in control. Right? He rules and reigns and is sovereign over this church. As I've often said, he's the senior pastor. I just get to step in and be an under shepherd. He's in charge. He's in control. And I don't know about you, but I'm awfully glad about that. And so when I think about faith and trust, for me, the bedrock truth that my faith needs to be built on, stand on, is that truth. My God is sovereign. Rules, reigns, in charge, in control. No surprises, nothing catches them off guard. Oops, how did that happen? Uh, God will never say that sentence. And so four things about this um, strike me to kind of flow out of that thought. Um, and the first thing is this. Remind yourself often of God's sovereignty. Remind yourself of God's sovereignty first. That's bedrock. And I think of so many scriptures that, um, in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, the prophet Isaiah has God saying, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my thoughts above your thoughts. Do you get the significance of that? We're we're talking a big gulf here between the way that I think and the way God thinks. And so why would I think I know better? (laughs) Why would I even assume that? Psalm 15, 3 says, But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. That's pretty clear, isn't it? He does whatever he pleases. Does that bother you? Does that upset you? Or does that give you comfort and courage and confidence? He does whatever he pleases. He's in charge. Uh, oh, there's so many more. Um Joseph is my classic illustration when I think of God's sovereign control. And you know, you know the story of Joseph. Hated by his brothers, taken and thrown in a pit, left for dead. Uh, they sell him into slavery. He goes into Egypt, that whole journey in Egypt. He spends three years in prison. He finally gets uh, out of prison and becomes kind of second in command to the Pharaoh. Uh, this whole journey. And then, and then his brothers, in a time of famine, these brothers who threw him in the pit, Sold him into slavery. His brothers show up looking for food during a famine. (laughs) And my first thought is, oh boy. If I was Joseph, I'm going to have me some fun. (laughs) And you know, the end of the story, that whole journey, the end of the story, Joseph says to his brothers, classic, classic line. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God's in control. God's in charge. God God has a plan. And you think of all that Joseph went through in his lifetime to come to that point. His trust and his faith in his God. Bold, daring, risky, adventurous, audacious faith. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. I love that I love that. There's so many passages. Uh, The second thing, not only reminding myself of God's sovereignty first, the second thing that strikes me is think long term. We get so focused on now. And we have this, you know, gratification now thing. I want, you know, we're so focused on, on the short term. And we want to see results now. We want God to answer our prayers when? Now! Yesterday or I mean, we want God to answer our prayers now. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. But the simple truth of Scripture is God doesn't settle accounts every month, God doesn't settle accounts every year. And I need to think long term. God's working things out for good. God is working things out for good. Uh, My third thought, and I'll only think long term and begin with God's sovereignty, my third thought is, I need to guard against panic that eclipses my trust. And so often the circumstances of life cause us to panic. My contribution... So my Medicare is going up 14 and a half percent. How am I going to do that? Wait, <laughs> there you go. You know, but we, we hear these things and it causes us panic. You know, um, I've been thinking over the last uh, week or two, as uh, I've been on this journey with some of my wife's health and doctor appointments. I'm really overdue to go see my doctor. And um, I probably, you yeah, know, I haven't had a physical in a couple of years, and uh, probably need to go see my doctor. Then I open my paper up, and guess who's going on strike on Monday? All the Kaiser. Oh well, I guess I'm not going to go see my doctor. And then yesterday, this is so cool. Yesterday, um, we had a big bike ride up the, along the foothills called the Tour Day Foothills, and uh, I always help my friend John because he has one of the sag stops, sag uh, supporting gear, supporting grub. And so we have a sag stop where we got water and snacks and uh, bike pump for air and whatever. And uh, so I was volunteering and helping at my friend John's uh, sag stop. And this, this cyclist rides up, helmet on, sunglasses, and I'm going, he looks kind of familiar. And then he spoke. I said, oh, Dr. Martinez, I didn't know you were riding this ride. My doctor, he used to ride through the foothills. said to him, I need to come see you. I'm overdue. He says, well, the good news is they settled and they're not going to go on strike on Monday, so give me a call. Just the stuff of life. Think long term and don't don't, don't let the circumstances of life cause you to panic and that overshadows your trust and your faith in the Lord. Guard against that happening. How do you do that? There's a lot of promises in this book to hang on to, right? There's a lot of promises in this book. And I think about not allowing the circumstances of my life to eclipse and overshadow my faith. I think of one of my favorite scriptures, and perhaps one for many of you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says so simply what? Trust in the Lord with most of your heart. (laughs) Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge, I like to translate it, be knowing God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll do what? Direct your path, make your path straight. He will bring it to pass, Irene, in His time and in His way, right? He always does. He always does. So I need to guard against that panic. And then the fourth one that I I wrote to myself, and I really hate this, be willing to wait. <laughs> be willing to wait. How often in the scriptures do you read the words, wait on the Lord? Dozens? Hundreds? That phrase is repeated so often. So often repeated, wait on the Lord. I say in chapter 40, that classic passage, says, those who wait on the Lord will do what? Mount up with wings like eagles. They'll walk and not be weary. They'll run and not faint. Wait on the Lord. To learn to wait on the Lord. Psalm 37 has been a favorite psalm of mine for most of the last 30 years. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. And He will do it. I like that phrase. He will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Waiting on the Lord. God does what he's going to do in his time, at his pace, (laughs) and in his way. Not my time, not my pace, and not my way, right? His time, his pace, his way. (laughs) The poet John Oxenham said it this way of our God. He writes in characters too grand. For our short sight to understand. We catch but broken strokes and try to fathom all the mystery. Of withered hopes of death and life. The endless war, the endless strife. But there, with larger, clearer sight, we shall see this. His way was right. God's way is always right, right? Always. And so I don't know why gas prices have gone up. I was paying 289 in January. My last fill up was 429 I don't know why inflation is at 6.9% and my contribution to my Medicare is go up 14.5%. I don't know why. God does. He has a plan, He has a purpose. God's at work. I don't know why we experience the medical circumstances of life that afflict us. God does. I don't need to understand. God does. And whether whether it's economics, whether it's health, whether it's this divided, weird, upside-down world we're living in, Whether it's the coronavirus that we keep having new variants and more shots. I don't know why, but God does. Is that enough? That's enough. He's in charge. He's going to control. He knows why. Someone has said, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. When you can't trace his hand, you can't fathom you know, what's going on, why it's going on when you can't trace his hand you can always trust his heart there's wisdom in those words his way is right always right I agree with that I also agree with Habakkuk <laughs> maybe I'll have a chance to preach a little bit of Habakkuk someday but the story of Habakkuk is a fascinating one Because he's watching God at work as the nation of Israel is is under assault, under attack. And he doesn't understand. And he cries out to God and says, God, what are you doing? What's going on? I don't understand. And God says to Habakkuk, if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. And he says, God, trust me. No matter what you tell me, I'll believe it. And so God told him what he was doing. I'm going to use those Babylonians, those Chaldeans, to come against my people. And Habakkuk said, What?
1: I don't believe it. (laughs) But at the end of the story,
0: as God is preparing, as God is preparing to bring those Babylonians against his people, at the end of Habakkuk's three little chapters, he says this Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He has made my feet like hinds feet, and made me walk on my high places." No matter what happens, my social security money gets eclipsed by how much money I gotta pay here. No matter how high gas prices go, they're gonna go higher. Fasten your (laughs) seatbelt. No matter what happens, my posture should be just like Habakkuk's. No matter what happens, God's in charge. God's in control. I'm trusting you. I don't trust. I don't trust uh, anybody else. I don't trust the government. I don't trust the healthcare system. I don't trust anybody. Maybe my wife a little bit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> God wants you. And God wants you and you and you. And God wants me to simply do what? Trust Him. And so you, like me, should... Be willing to pray that simple prayer. Lord, I believe. (laughs) Help my unbelief. Because he always does right. And that little acrostic I always think of when I think of the word faith. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. Might that be true in in your life and in my life this week in a chaotic world? You can't trust, you can't trust those fortune cookies and their little fortunes. But you can trust the Lord. You can trust the Lord. And so Lord, our simple prayer this morning is that simple prayer of this Father. Lord, I believe, help my own And Lord, you know the circumstances of life that each one of us here this morning is facing. You know the circumstances of life that each one who's coming in through YouTube is facing. You know the circumstances. You know the struggles. You know the challenges. Whether it's financial. Whether it's health stuff. Whatever it is, Lord, <laughs> you know. And we can trust you. And so, Lord, our, our simple prayers. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, help us to trust you. Lord, in all honesty, we struggle at times. And in all honesty, there's times when we kind of trust ourselves more. We lean on our own understanding instead of trusting you with all of our heart. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. To trust you this week. With the circumstances of life. In spite of what they are. Lord, we trust you. We love you. And we're so grateful that you're a God who is almighty, all-wise, all-knowing, fully worthy of our trust. And so we trust you together in the name of Jesus. things that you and I need to realize every day is that we need the Lord, right? We need him desperately. We got birthdays this week that we want to remember. They're in your bulletin, but uh, Eileen has a birthday tomorrow. Rumor has it she is it 29 or 39? I've lost track. Uh, Mike Quintana got a birthday on Tuesday. So happy birthday to Mike this week. Janice Kateris and Violet Garcia have birthdays on the 19th, so happy birthday to them as well. Last Sunday, I told you that the, the Kateris women were raising money for girls in foster care, putting together care packages, and uh, we had not money for nine. And if you paid attention to your bulletin this morning, when they got together Friday night to put the packages together, guess what? It's Thirty-one. One more that we've been praying for. So that, that's just exciting. Um, Janine and I had, had a brief conversation more than a week ago about, you know, we only got so many. And do we wait and try to get more by January or February? Or do we just go ahead and... We both kind of thought, you know, let's just press ahead. God's in, in this, and uh, God answered prayers. So that's, a, that's exciting to me. Um, also in your bulletin, just a reminder, next Sunday we're going to have our annual Thanksgiving lunchtime together. So we're going to gather upstairs with turkey and all the stuff. I think we still need some more desserts. Is that right, Patty? Eddie? We're okay with
1: you, Anybody, if to stay after that.
0: I'm sorry, say that again. Clean up. Oh, not help. Yeah, i got to leave right away. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, that's always a, a need for people to hang out and do that. So keep that on your agenda. Operation Christmas Child is ongoing. We've still got boxes here. A bunch disappeared last Sunday. But our encouragement to you is to take a box or two. And uh, read the instructions. Fill them up with stuff for kids. Um, Samaritan's Purse is in charge of that ministry. And they're impacting millions of children around the world over the last many years. And it's our privilege. Just, I, I think I told you last week I took my grandson to the 99 cent store last year. Or two years. Whatever it was. And we just walked up and down the aisles until the boxes were full. Put the lids on and paid left. And uh, it, it's just a simple deal. Simple stuff that uh, kids enjoy. And we just want to encourage you to be a part of that. There's a sign up sheet back at the Connect Center, if you're willing to go help. They kind of go through the boxes make sure they've got everything needed in them and then package them up and get them ready to go. And if you're willing and able to participate in that, um, check back there. I think it's the 27th. Is that the date we're, we're signed up for? Anyway, may you go this morning in the confident... Faith and trust in the sovereign God of the universe who loves you, who cares about you, who wants you to have an audacious, awesome week of trusting Him. Go in that confidence this morning. Go in His name and in His power and have a great week.